Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Escape Your Fate podcast. This is an anthology horror podcast full of scary tales with choices to be made to see if we can keep the characters alive or inadvertently, and sometimes on purpose, lead them to their deaths. Uh, thank you for joining us for our episode today. I am Morgan Belko. And I'm Morgan Wilson. And today we get to have a tale from me. I wrote this one. Um, this story is called Riding in Cars with Ghouls. <laughs> Speaking of horror comedy, um, I love a good pun. Not a bad pun, only a good pun. <laughs> so do you have any uh, predictions on what this story might be about? Um, oh my gosh, like there's always this old story like no matter where you live if you drive past this one part of the land like one road don't look in the rearview mirror because this lady will i feel like i'm going that direction and i'm gonna look in the rearview mirror and probably die <laughs> uh you may or may not be correct we will find out soon <laughs> Oh I will tell you, since this is my story and I'm allowed to, um, you have a 50-50% chance of surviving this. Oh, okay. This is going to... All right. I can maybe do this. <laughs> we got pretty good odds. So hopefully you pick the right paths. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure at all. All right. Are you ready? I am ready. Let's go. All right. Riding in Cars with Ghouls by Morgan Valco. Fuck him. Your grip on the steering wheel is so tight that your knuckles are bone white, the anger radiating off of you. Trees fly past you on either side, crowding onto the road so much that the leaves touch overhead, a forest canopy that you normally would love to drive through. You have to force yourself to slow down on the narrow road, your anger driving your foot into the gas pedal and making your shitty Corolla fly through the darkness. You are such an idiot, you say to the empty car, the vitriol in your voice only lightly touching on the emotions behind your words. There's anger, but there's hurt, too. Betrayal has always hit you hard. No. You smack the steering wheel with your palm. He's the idiot. He's the liar. Fuck him. You can't believe that you let your emotions get so tied up with someone like Mikey. The two of you have nothing in common. You know that now. What had started as a meeting of minds, as two people who loved everything spooky, had decomposed into a mess of lies in a matter of minutes. You saw him as a friend, a partner, and he only saw you as a piece of ass. You check the rearview mirror, but all you see is a light cloud of dust coated in the red of your taillights. You shake your head. He would never come after you. He didn't bother to follow you out of his house. Why would he bother to follow you down the road? Looking back on all of your conversations, you can see how thin Mikey's lies were, and you hate yourself all over again for believing them. What kind of ghost hunter doesn't know about EVPs? And if you really had gone to that abandoned hospital and heard screams from down the hall and felt hands grabbing his in the dark, why would he refuse to come with you to find out if the White Lady of Haven Road is really there? You want to hate him, but you hate yourself more for driving all the way out here, three towns over, just to see him. Well, not just to see him. He promised he would take you driving on Haven Road, that the two of you would say her name as you drove along it, calling upon her to reveal herself. You were honestly more excited to see the white lady, to finally have that experience in real life, than to spend time with him. It had always been your favorite urban legend, made all the more tantalizing by the fact that it was so close to home. As the story goes, a young woman was out with her boyfriend on a Friday night, and they decided to park the car out in the woods. The perfect spot for necking, or so they thought. He had different ideas of that night, visions of going all the way with his girl, but when he tried to slide his hand up her skirt, she pulled away 
And when he didn't stop, she got out of the car, determined that walking home was safer than spending another second with a sex-crazed boy. Her boyfriend tried to get her to come back into the car, claiming it wasn't safe out in the woods for a girl like her, but she refused. She felt that she was safer with the wild animals in the forest than the one behind the wheel. So he drove off, angry and horny and alone. She never saw the car that hit her, and it took a few days for anyone to find her body. Her boyfriend led the charge to find her when she was listed as missing, and had a public breakdown outside of the police station when he learned that she had died that very night. Since then, people have seen something strange on Haven Road, a figure dressed all in white and walking alone in the darkened woods. They say that if you drive along at night and call for the white lady, she'll appear. You'd hope to meet her tonight, and you're not going to let some liar stop you. The parallels of your situation and the story of the white lady aren't lost on you. You both thought you could trust somebody and you had talked to for so long, and they both turned out to care more about their dick than you. The sign for Haven Road comes into view, into view of your headlights and you slow down, flicking on the turn signal even though there's no one behind or in front of you. It's just you and the trees, and hopefully the white lady. You shudder as you remember the look on Mikey's face when he opened the door in just a silk bathrobe, the room beyond him decked out in half-used candles like that could ever cover up the scent of body odor and betrayal. You swear you can still smell the cheap vanilla in your hair and on your clothes, permeating every part of you in the short time you were in his house. He clearly thought that he could change the entire plan and you would just go along with it. Or maybe he wasn't actually the one thinking. Maybe little Mikey was doing all the thinking, and big Mikey didn't bother to question if you would want to throw away your entire reason to drive out to his place just to have mediocre sex. But now you're here, on Haven Road, and you never have to think about him again. The paved road eventually turns to dirt, and you slow down to save the undercarriage of your car. Sources have never been clear about where on Haven Road the lady appears, but it's always somewhere along the three-mile stretch of unpaved road, always after the sun goes down, always when there are no other cars driving by. You'd already decided that tonight would be the night, with Mikey or without him. If you have to trek back and forth across this small section of road until the sun comes up, you will. You're going to meet the white lady if it kills you. Heart pumping in your throat, you drive, both hands on the wheel and eyes locked forward. You don't want to miss even a second of her when she appears. In your headlights, you watch the trees flow past, the bushy undergrowth along the side of the road glowing golden in the light. Each time there's a break in the foliage, your heart jumps, and you wonder if that was where they parked that night, if you're close to where she was hit. Would she appear near, near where she was hit, or would she stay near where they had fought, the emotions so high that they could call a spirit back to this world? Either way, it couldn't be too far off. There's no way she would be able to walk that far away from where she left her boyfriend. Not back then, in a dress and heels, not in the overwhelming darkness that the forest leaves behind. You roll down the window on your side, breathing in the late summer air as it flies past you. Beneath the roar of the wind, you can hear frogs and crickets singing their nightly song, announcing to the forest that they are here for a good time, not a long time. Taking a deep breath, you start to feel your muscles relax slightly. Vibrations of the car and the gentle woodsy sounds, homey and familiar. A flash of white appears in the center of the road, only a few hundred feet in front of you, and you gasp. You can just make out the shape of a woman, hair in a high ponytail and her long dress fluttering around her legs. She turns around to look at you, and you see the horror streaking across her face at the sight of your car barreling down towards her. It could be her. It has to be her. 
Who else would be walking down this road dressed all in white? Do you keep going straight at the woman, or do you swerve to get out of her way? <laughs> wow. One, called it. Two, yeah. uh, <laughs> um, I would be the type of person to be like, there's no way this is actually happening my first drive down this road. So I'd be like, this is, this is like a real person. So I think I'm going to like, I'm going to try and swerve around her because like, even if it is the ghost, maybe by me swerving and trying not to hit her, she'll be nice to me. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. No. <laughs> okay. I'm going to swerve. Swerve to avoid the ghost. You can't shake the idea that this is a real person, not a ghost. And so you react the only way you can, by avoiding crashing into her. You crank the steering wheel to the side and slam on the brakes. The squealing of your tires fills your ears as you slide out of control along the dirt road. The car stops suddenly and you're thrown to the side, glass shattering in your hair as the passenger window disappears. The seatbelt bites hard into your stomach and shoulder as it keeps you in your seat. Your heartbeat is loud and fierce in your ears as you mentally check your body for any other pain, but you seem to be all in one piece. As your breathing slows, you notice the silence that has come over the car and the forest outside. All of the natural sounds that you had been enjoying just minutes before were gone, scared away by the violence of the car accident. Remembering the woman in the road, you try to climb out of the car, halted momentarily by your seatbelt. It takes you three tries to get the thing off, and you take a big breath at the sudden release of pressure on your chest once you finally do. You climb out of the car and look around, hoping to see a woman in white walking towards you from somewhere in the trees, but there's nothing. You walk back to the place where you saw her, but the packed dirt of the road doesn't reveal any footsteps or drag marks, nothing that would say someone was there. You brace yourself for the worst and search the edge of the woods for anything white, but there's not even dried-out roadkill here. The woman in white is gone. Your heart starts pounding again, this time with excitement. It had to have been her, then. The white lady of Haven Road. She's caused accidents before, you know all about that. But now you're one of them. You're already planning on how you'll tell your story in the ghost forums when you walk back to the car to take in the damage. It's a lot of damage. The car turned around and hit a huge maple tree with the passenger side denting both of the doors and taking out the windows. You pull out your phone, but you don't have any cell service out here in the middle of nowhere. All you can do right now is take pictures of the damage for your insurance. When you climb inside, you can see where the frame is dented along the roof line, the fabric torn by branches that reach through the open holes of the windows. You turn the key, but the engine refuses to acknowledge you. You rest your forehead on the steering wheel at a loss. You're far from home, your car is wrecked, you have no cell service to call someone for help. And who would you call? Mikey? That's not an option after what he tried. Your eyes start to adjust to the darkness of the woods, and you realize slowly that the typical woodsy sounds are still missing. Wouldn't the crickets and frogs have come back by now? and started up their nightly song once the danger had passed? The hairs along your neck begin to prickle, and suddenly you're not so sure the danger has passed. You can't see the white lady, but that doesn't mean she isn't still around, isn't still waiting for her chance to get to you. You only ever hear the stories of people who have survived encounters with the white lady. What about the ones who didn't? You sit in the silence, listening as hard as you can for any sign of someone coming closer. A car on the road would be a blessing right now, 
another human being who could offer you some help. But this is a haunted dirt road. People don't come this way unless they have to. Or if they're stupid enough to want to go ghost hunting. On the other hand, you don't know what could come if you don't know what could come if you went looking for help. You know you have to make a decision. Do you stay with the car and hope that help comes along, or do you walk to go find help? Oh my god. <laughs> um, I feel like I chose the wrong decision right off the bat. Don't tell me. Um <sighs> I have a sinking feeling that if I go walking along the road, I'm going to get hit by a car. <laughs> <laughs> and then I will join the white lady as another white lady. I don't know. But I also like nothing's nothing's going to happen if I stay with the car. Like nothing will get better. It could only get worse. Uh, <laughs> um, It's so hard not to lead you. <laughs> I know, just, oh my God, like, I want to survive this one, but I think I've already made the wrong choice from the very beginning. Um, <laughs> we're we're going to, we're going to stay with the car. We're going to stay okay. with the car. I had to flip a coin <laughs> in my head, like, what are we doing? <laughs> All right, we're staying with the car. The quiet of the woods is unnerving, but you can't bring yourself to go walking down the road in the darkness of the night. Better to stay here with your car in some semblance of shelter than to run off into the woods pretending like you could protect yourself from a wild animal. You check your phone one last time for service before powering it down. It's only at 20%, and you'll need it in the morning to call for help once you get in range of a tower. Lay you lay your seat back and close your eyes, hoping a car comes by soon that will stop and check out the accident site. If not, you'll just have to wait until the sun comes up and you can leave this nightmare behind. You didn't really think you'd be able to rest, but you must, because you begin to dream. You're riding shotgun in an older car, the metal dashboard shining in front of you. In the driver's seat is a young man, handsome and clean-cut, with a nice posture. He looks over at you and smiles, a dimple appearing in his cheek that makes your heart race. He guides the car along the side of the road and parks, making sure the handbrake is in place before turning to you. I want tonight to be really special, Dolly. I was hoping we could celebrate our six-month anniversary by making the ultimate commitment to each other. He leans closer, but you pull away. It's suddenly too hot in the car, and the heat radiating from his chest as he slides your way is making it worse. You put one hand up to stop him, but he keeps coming, reaching his hand towards your hair. He closes his eyes, and you take the opportunity to open the door, practically falling out into the brush beside the road. I don't want this. You feel your mouth making the words, but you can't control them. I don't feel ready. Come on, doll. Don't you want us to get married someday? Have that family we've talked about? You stand still in the dirt beside the road, scared of the distance between the two of you. Yes. Yes, I do. I just, I think we need to go slower. I can't go that slow. Come on, just get in the car. He leans across the passenger seat, flashing that dimpled smile at you again. He reaches his hand out for yours, but you pull it back, and his eyes darken at your rejection. Get back in this car right now, damn it. I'm not joking. I'm not joking either, you hear yourself say before turning away from him. Carefully, you start walking, picking your way along the dirt road. You hear the car start up behind you, and you think he's going to drive alongside you until you give in. You lift your chin and square your shoulders, determined. 
Let him drive beside you. You won't get in that car again until he promises to be a gentleman. But he doesn't go slow. He hits the gas and peels away, sending dirt and rocks up at you as he passes. You're shocked. How could he just leave you out here? The woods are dangerous and you're in your best skirt and heels. You flush red with anger at the sight of his taillights. He clearly never cared for you the way you cared for him. Marriage and children? Ha! He'll be lucky if any girl in this town goes on a date with him after you tell them how he treats girls on a date. His car disappears in the road in front of you, and you're left in the dark and silence of the woods. You step into the center of the road. Your father always told you that you should walk along the center of the road so cars will be sure to see you. Not that there are many cars driving down Haven Road after dark, but still, better safe than sorry, right? A few steps later, headlights appear in front of you, and you feel the smile creep across your face. This'll be Billy. You'll get a ride home from a nice farmer or whoever, and he'll just worry, or, I'm sorry, this'll show Billy. I said that wrong. You'll get a ride home from a nice farmer or whoever, and he'll just worry himself sick over you until he sees you at school on Monday. When the car gets close enough to see you, you lift your hand into a wave, but it doesn't slow. Instead, it comes at you faster, swerving at the last minute to knock you off your feet, the hot metal searing your skirt to your calves and crushing your hip with the force of it. Your head slams into the road as you fall, the hard-packed dirt cracking your skull. You can't move, can't breathe from the force of it, but the car doesn't stop. The tires keep rolling over your broken body, and once it passes you, you hear it turning around, coming back for another blow. This one throws your body to the side, sending you out into the side of the road. The car turns again, and you see the outline of him in the headlights. Billy. He leans down to look at you, watching as you struggle to breathe. You turn your eyes up to his, and the dimple comes back with a smirk. Nobody says no to me. He watches the light dim in your eyes and then gets back into the car. His headlights flash across your broken body one last time, but they don't stop. They just keep getting bigger and brighter, coming at you until you're staring directly at them. And you wake up, staring at the headlights of a modern-day car coming right towards you. You don't have time to scream, to move, to cover your eyes. You see the entire thing, from the whites of the driver's eyes to the crumpling of your driver's side door as it smashes into you. You're thrown through the far side of the car, landing half out of, half out of the, the window, blood trickling from a wound in your forehead. For the second time that night, you're left broken along the side of the road. You know it's bad. This is a bad situation to be in. But you can't seem to get up. You can't feel your legs, your feet, nothing below the middle of your back. You wonder if you should worry about that, but you can't bring yourself to care right now. All you can focus on is the calming sound of someone beside you, offering sweet platitudes to keep you calm as the blood drains from your head wound. Shh, it's okay. You're going to be okay. You'll be with me now. You're with your dolly, and everything's going to be just fine. The end. <laughs> the end. I knew it. God damn it. You knew it's so hard to live. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know who hit me now. I bet it was Mikey. I'm just going to say it was Mikey because he's an asshole. He is an asshole. What a D-bag, but, right? Yes. He he is probably the one. <laughs> Gosh dang it. I also kind of really like, 
and maybe this happens in a different branch, but like, I really wanted her to like realize that it was Billy who killed Dolly and like, go find Billy. (laughs) Be like, I know what you did. Maybe that happens in another branch. I don't know. No, I want it to happen though, just because I want to be like, yeah. I will say I do have a favorite branch and this is not it. So, all right. Well, <laughs> I'm like, oh, for four on this. I think I just, I just always die. It's Sorry. Hard. I mean, not most of the stories have not been a 50 50 living it's or dying. It's been like a one out of six chance. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's really hard to actually survive these stories. People make it very difficult. <laughs> I mean, I get it. That's the point. But also, like, I just want to live just one time. I know. I want to feel good about living. I want to survive. I would like to. All right. Well. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. And we hope you enjoyed this tale by me, Morgan Valco. Um, If you would like to listen to the rest of the choices that we didn't make, including my favorite one, uh, you can check out all of the other branches on our Patreon page and give those a little purchase. The links should be in the show notes. And if not, we hope you will see us in the next episode of Escape Your Fate podcast. Bye. Bye.